0: episode 119 of the gambots podcast i'm your host eric and this is my co-host it's christian on this week's episode christian and i both watched the netflix original gunpowder milkshake and christian watched the newly released jungle cruise and finally we'll finish up with the uh, one star amazon review game but first christian you and i both watched gunpowder milkshake this was directed by nava Shadow, who I looked up and I, I did not recognize any movie he had worked on before. It looked like hmm. he generally was a smaller budget kind of guy. Uh, or girl, I guess. I don't know what gender Navot is. Uh, so, what made you pick this movie, I'm curious. I, honestly,
1: I had, I followed Karen Gillan on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. And she had been posting, like, screenshots of this. And I was like, this just looks like a cool movie. Like I was seeing pictures of the cast and, and the posters and things, and it is very stylized, which I usually enjoy. And it did look, I, I saw in your notes that, that you also pointed out, like it looked John Wick adjacent. And I love the John Wick movies. I, I like the world that they try to build and they, they tried to build a similar world here. And, and so I was pretty interested in it and I'm I'm going to be honest. I was pretty happy with
0: it. Yeah. It's, it's not a bad movie. Um, like you said, the story on this is, at least the world is very John Wick, where there is a criminal organization that runs everything and assassins who work for them. And if you step over the line, uh, they will send people after you for it. But instead of being really a story of revenge, it's more about a story of this girl living the life and then accidentally like making the wrong kill, uh, getting the organization on her and then reconnecting with her mother and her Ants, i guess i couldn't figure out if the librarians were like her actual ants or not but it was a movie that had a surprising uh, family tone in it i was not expecting
1: yeah all it was missing was vin diesel
0: <laughs> any movie about family now he is obligated to show up in. <laughs> he's in the background somewhere <laughs> just pops out <laughs> uh so you had mentioned that this was a very stylized movie did you enjoy its style I did it was a little aggressive at first, but it it uh i don't know if it
1: toned down or if I just acclimated to it like getting into a cold pool uh but yeah, it, it was very neon very like i don't know seventies I couldn't quite tell when it was set because the technology and the set dressing didn't really mesh, and neither of them really matched like present day
0: yeah i'm that's was actually the biggest turnoff I think for me in the beginning which I normally love stylized movies but one of my notes is is there too much style in this like that <laughs> opening diner scene just had so much going on in it where I didn't know if I liked it or not and as they toned it down I, I definitely did get more into the movie because you mentioned not being able to tell what time period like they went to the diner which was sort of like the hotel where you can't attack anyone in John Wick which is was a 50s diner or something along those lines. And then she had a cell phone, but the cell phone was bulky and a character. Like, I feel like they're trying to create like an alternate timeline or something like that.
1: Right. Or like, it, yeah, it's, it's almost like it existed out of time. Because even when they went back to the diner towards the end, it didn't really seem like it was anywhere. It seemed like it was just like a soundstage almost. I mean, I'm sure it actually probably was, but like in the movie... You don't get the shot of anything around the diner. You don't get that it's like in a country field or in like a small town or in a city anywhere. All you get is this kind of establishing shot of the diner with like a pinkish blue sunset in the background. So it it
0: feels very like, I don't know, like ephemeral. It, it doesn't really exist anywhere. Two things that it reminded me of, and it doesn't, I don't know if it makes sense when you say it, but I just think about it for a second. Like I got Wes Anderson vibes from it a little bit, like his background scenery mixed with like Sin City.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that it's Sin City, but like
0: instead of black and neon, it's like pink and neon. Yeah. It's extremely uh, colorful. And then just, yeah, everything's just kind of awkward and there, and it doesn't really make sense as a city, which really this, I thought this was uh like, it feels like it's a movie based on a comic book, but it wasn't. But it felt like a comic book movie to me. Right. Definitely has that aesthetic. The other thing, too, I, and I only want to get these out of the way early because these are the only couple of negatives I had about it. The opening scene, the music in this really threw me off because it felt like something that Tim Burton's Batman would have. And then they, like, also included pop music. Well, not, I don't know if it's pop music, but classical music and various, like, actual songs in it. And that also threw me for a loop until I got used to it. The music was a little strange, I will grant you. Because I I watched with
1: the subtitles on, not not necessarily on purpose. They were just on and I didn't feel like turning them off. (laughs) Um, But it kept saying things like, ominous music starts playing. And I was like, yeah, that is what this is. This is like creepy, like dark, ominous music. And it was in a scene where it didn't really call for it. And it just kind of was like, all right, what are we doing? We're setting... An atmosphere that doesn't really mesh with what I'm
0: actually looking at on screen. Yeah. Uh, so the movie starts off with Karen Gillan meeting her mother, who's also in this world of assassins, and the mother kills a bunch of people and leaves her at this diner we had mentioned. And then fast forward, Karen Gillan's also uh, an assassin, and she kills the wrong person. And to make it right, she gets, set, she gets sent onto a mission to. Uh, kill a guy who had stole money from this organization and that's where everything goes downhill because she kills this guy he has a daughter who has been kidnapped that's why he stole the money and then she tries to get that money back and that's i think where really the plot of the movie starts to take off and that's where it definitely started to hook me more
1: right yeah At at the beginning you're kind of adrift you're you're given like three separate plot lines and you're not really sure where they're gonna intersect with each other but then they all do eventually
0: what did you think of about I would say the quality and the quantity of fight scenes or action sequences in this movie.
1: So the movie as a whole was a little long. I don't know exactly what the runtime was, but it felt long.
0: It was about an hour and 50 hour 55 somewhere in there. Yeah, so I the big fight scene in the library was
1: obviously the like the big set piece. It was the one that was supposed to be the like the showstopper. But then they go to the diner and there's another big fight and then they go to Paul Giamatti's house and there's not so much a fight as just like a threatening thing and so, yeah it was it was like things were a little out of order almost it was like the the library should have been a smaller set piece and they should have saved up for the
0: diner to be like the big showstopper yeah to me every fight seemed seemed like it was an homage to something else which was interesting but also weird because I thought some were better than others like you had said at the end there's this set piece where, with a sniper that reminded me of the movie sniper where at the end i think the guy calls with a you know gun trained on him and probably many other movies but the fight scene in the doctor's office reminded me something from like a tarantino movie the fight in the bowling alley reminded me of something like an it man or something or john wick maybe you know like it was a lot smaller uh, scale focus and then, like, you also have, like, the entire driving scene. Like, I'm not... I'm usually one who loves action. I felt like there were too many, like, action set pieces <laughs> in this, which is crazy for me to say, but it, it honestly felt like
1: it. I, yeah, I didn't hate them. They were all pretty unique. The 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 fight scene in the doctor's office was probably my favorite, just because it, I, I had never seen anything like that. It was unique in a way that wasn't just, like, within the movie, but to all movies, so the doctor injects her with something that paralyzes her arms. And so she tells the little girl she's with like tape, a knife and a gun to my hand. And she goes out and kills guys just with a knife and a gun taped to her hands. She can't really use her arms at all. I, I, yeah, it was, it was something I'd never seen before. So I was into it Guess that I, I didn't really start feeling worn out until after the library when I was like, all right, we got to start wrapping this up.
0: Yeah, I, I would say my two favorite fight scenes were the bowling alley and then the doctor's office. I thought those were the best because it was one-on-three. You really let like their choreography shine. Like mm-hmm. the the one you had mentioned, the doctor's office was a comedic fight scene. It was really well done. <laughs> right. And so I enjoyed that one. I was actually a little bit let down by not only like the library fight scene, but also the concept of the library, because this is a place that is supposed to have so many guns and like, it's a weapons, uh, cache And, and like the idea is they hide those weapons in books, but there were barely any guns used in that scene. Like they, they shot off like one clip each and then it was all hand to hand. And I was like, (laughs) you should have so much ammo and guns in here. Like this should not be a hand to hand fight the whole time.
1: It's true. I mean, I I think she, the michelle yo sent her to the self-help section she kept opening up the books and finding like money and at one People point she yeah she picks out like a gold bar so I, like i thought that was kind of comedic a little bit to be like all right what kind of ridiculous improvised weapons are going to come out and then eventually uh lena hetty comes in the, the mother comes in
0: and is like oh well i know where all the guns are and i know the right books to look in <laughs> I mean, this library not only has guns, they have two children's sections completely decorated to be an underwater scene and a forest scene, which is insane to me that a library would have that.
1: So that brings up something that I wanted to to ask you about, because I love those rooms. I thought they were awesome. If like growing up, if I went to a library that had those, I would want to go there every day. But that apparently to me looks like that was a functioning library. If they had a kids right. section that was that decked out, then they they would want kids to come and enjoy that section of the library. But you wouldn't want people wandering the shelves down in that
0: main floor because every book had a gun in it. Right, like they really committed to this being a library, which didn't make sense to me because they're obviously illegal arms dealers. <laughs> <laughs> like, why can it
1: so hard to this? The only thing I can think of was part, uh Carla Gagina's character at the towards the end says something like, It was good having a kid in the library again. The only thing I can think of is that the library doubled as like a daycare for the assassins. They would come get their guns and like drop their kids off with the the three
0: women. Right. Yeah. I mean maybe, maybe that's what it is. Did you like the three librarians? I would, like I they they grew on me at the end. But when we first met them, the dialogue between all three of them, with like all the innuendo and stuff, I thought was so cheesy. I was it was my least favorite part of the movie. I think
1: easily my favorite characters.
0: Really? Which yeah, I loved like, them. <laughs> which one did you like best? Probably Michelle Yeoh. I thought she was awesome. I call I spoiler alert. I was like one of these people are going to die, but I yeah. guess the wrong one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I liked all three of them. I thought they were great. I love Carla Gugino. I love Angela Bassett. They they were just very fun characters. And I, I yeah, I've been on a little bit of a Hill House kick because the new trailer for the Michael Flanagan movie came out today. And So, so I was like, ah, oh, Carla Gugino, good to see you again. <laughs>
0: uh, one of the major plot points of this movie that we kind of glossed over is that uh Karen Gillan kills uh this one girl's father and then she sort of takes the kid in to protect her and doesn't tell this child that she killed her father till the end I feel like that child forgave Karen Gillan way too easily well that kid was down with killing like from the jump she was
1: yeah. in she watched Karen Gillan kill those three guys in that hallway and then she started introducing herself as her apprentice <laughs> I mean she she was ready for
0: you are right, yeah like she was down from the jump she uh, i that just threw me off because I was like they're eventually going to have to reveal this right, and this girl is going to be angry, and she really wasn't yeah um, yeah I
1: mean they they reveal it and i I don't know i I think it was done in a way that was like you said it's ridiculous that you'd be like, I killed your dad and she'd be like well you know i know you did what you had to do (laughs) but like it it was better i think that karen gillen confessed like unprompted yeah instead of like someone
0: else revealing it yeah because
1: i really really thought at one point like with when they were with the bad guys or with uh, like when she was on the phone with paul giamatti that he was gonna say like Oh, you're still protecting that girl even though you killed her father and it was going to be a whole thing, but yeah, I I think it was better that she came out and told her willingly rather than having it be discovered.
0: Yeah. One thing, sorry, one thing I wanted to go back on that I thought was hilarious and I I forgot to mention was the kid the people who kidnapped the daughter we're all wearing monster masks. Did you notice that she staked the guy wearing the Dracula mask in the heart with like an actual stake? I did. And I laughed pretty hard. Yeah. When they were showing those people masks, I did not know they were wearing masks. And I was like, is there a supernatural element to this now? Because I, I would not have been surprised.
1: Yeah, no, I thought that they were, but it looked like the mouth was moving a little more than it should have. And when they showed his eyes, I couldn't see like a seam where the mask was. And that's why I was like, are they actually vampires or are they just like messed up or is that just a mask? And I can't tell.
0: Yeah. That, that, that did leave me guessing. Uh, so you had mentioned that we have the final library scene and there's one additional scene. Uh, I, I was also with you disappointed in that one, but it was nice to see basically everyone come together. But I do want to point out the ridiculousness of the end of this movie where before they go, the mom is like, I don't have a plan. And then it just turns out their plan is to dress up as waitresses and show up, which I feel like anyone could have thought of before she left.
1: Right, And it's another one of those where it's like, you don't notice it because of clever editing, but not only that, but the plan was to dress up as waitresses and show up. But Karen Gillan didn't go anywhere else between those two things. And presumably she took the only car that they drove there. (laughs) So how did those three women also drive to the diner and not only get there but get there fast enough to beat her and change into those outfits and get into position
0: also is the diner no longer a neutral spot because like they they totally just killed all those people there when it was supposed to be a neutral spot i guess i mean i
1: don't i don't necessarily understand the rules of the diner because everybody in there had a weapon the rule was just no guns
0: I, I mean, fair. Hands, knives, <laughs> axe. I saw someone pull out an axe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, Carlo Gugino has a tomahawk. That was awesome.
0: Yeah. That, that also kind of reminded me of John Wick, where the hotel fi- became the final battleground. Like, I definitely did get a lot of whiffs of John Wick on this, which, mm-hmm. honestly, like, if you told me this before, I'd say I would like it more, but... I I was thinking about it, and I think the reason why this doesn't rise to a John Wick to me is, like, the first John Wick is, it's crazy, but it's somewhat grounded. It's like the normal world, and a guy's just going on a revenge mission, and then slowly you reveal this weird world in, like, movies two and three, and by that point, you kind of buy in. Here's a little bit of the opposite, where you are just shown this, you're just thrown into this world, and you have to accept that it's, that's all the rules are, and you're trying to figure out the rules as you go. I don't know if it was just because it was like a complete submersion from the start, whereas like John Wick was a slow boil <laughs> that I like that more or what I don't know. But uh I definitely did get a lot of John, John Wick feels from this.
1: No, I agree. And it, it felt a lot like you were basically
0: dropped into John Wick 3 without 1 and 2. Uh, so we had mentioned there were some big names in this one, uh, but this was a Netflix movie. So do you know anything about the box office and budget for this, Christian?
1: So budget was $30 million. Box office is reported at about 700000 So this must have had a very, very limited theatrical release somewhere, maybe like New York, L.A. Um, but yes, it's, it's a Netflix original, so it, it, it's making almost all its money on there. Yeah,
0: and I mean, this is fair. relatively okay with uh, ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. The critic has this at 62%, and audience score is at a 49%. Um, I think I would tend to side more with the audience. Uh, what about you?
1: Yeah, I I think I'd probably lean more towards the critics. I, I did really enjoy my time in this movie. It was a little long, but I would watch
0: an, another one of these for sure. Uh, so would you recommend our audience check this out
1: yeah i mean you've got to be comfortable with like the john wick level of violence but yeah for sure
0: yeah i I actually i think i would recommend this one like i would say overall it's like a fun movie i think if i had seen this in theaters i would have liked it a lot more just because that's like that theater experience where you want everything to be loud and a ton of action but if you like action movies and if you like john wick i feel like this will be your cup of tea agreed (laughs) Okay, Christian, you recently watched The Jungle Cruise. Uh this is an interesting one. This is the most recent Disney movie based off of a ride since what <laughs> was the la- what was the last one? The Tomorrow Oh no, Tomorrowland is a place in the park. Oh god, I forgot about Tomorrowland. Like Haunted Mansion maybe?
1: <laughs> yeah, Haunted Mansion Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, that's oh boy. So, is this more Haunted Mansion or more Pirates of the Caribbean for
0: you? <laughs> it's much more Pirates of the Caribbean. I loved this movie. I had a blast. Uh, so this stars The Rock, Emily Blunt, Jesse Plemons, and Paul another Paul Giamatti movie. Yep, I watched two Paul Giamatti movies two days in a row. I have seen no previews for this, so I, I honestly have no idea what this movie is about. What is like the what is the general synopsis of this?
1: So, this is. Uh, it's, it feels like the mummy at first. It's like the mummy meets Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Emily Blunt is a, uh, I don't know what you would call her. I guess she's like an archaeologist, treasure hunter, and she is looking for a magic tree in the Amazon whose flowers have healing powers. So she goes to the Amazon after she finds an arrowhead with, um, like the clues to unlocking its location. And she hires The Rock, who is a riverboat captain, to take her up into the Amazon to find the
0: tree. So you said this reminds you of Pirates of the Caribbean. or are the enemy similar to the pirates and Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, there's native tribes or other explorers or something?
1: Some of them, yeah. So they do run into, like, Amazon natives who... Uh, it's it's a little, like, subversive. They, they run into these natives who just speak perfect English and The Rock had, like trades with them and stuff, and, and they put on, like, a whole sinister act, but they're like, oh, no, The Rock paid us to do this. Uh, so that that was fun. But there's also Jesse Plemons, who plays a German soldier. This takes place, I think, around World War One era. So he's looking for the tree to give Germany the advantage in the war. And then there's also these 400-year-old conquistadors who are cursed, similar to Pirates of the Caribbean, they can't leave sight of the river or the jungle will pull them back into the river. And uh they want to find the tree to try and break the curse
0: that's on them. Dude, you said Jesse Plummins is the bad guy. I feel like if we ever did a poll of the movies we watched, low-key like Jesse Plummins might be in a lot of them. He was in a fair bit of movies we've watched for this fart podcast or TV I, shows.
1: I usually love him. Like he was he was one of the uh deciding factors for why I went to see this movie. Huh, was he good in it? He was great. He plays this just crazy German soldier, and he's, uh, I I mean, I think my favorite role of his is still Officer Gary from Game Night,
0: but he was pretty good in this, too. Why? It's not him and I'm Thinking of Ending Things? (laughs) 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 So you said this is in theaters. Have you been seeing a lot of people come watch this in your theater?
1: Yeah, this has made a decent amount of money. Even after Suicide Squad came out last week, this was still the number one movie at our theater. I, I don't. I think it might still be number 1 like nationwide but I didn't actually look cuz Suicide Squad did not have a super exciting opening weekend but it's yeah it it it's drawn people in cuz it's the Disney Plus premium release so I think people would rather if they're going to spend 30 bucks they'd rather come to a theater and watch it than like try and watch it at home cuz it's also in 3D so people are
0: coming to see it that way as well. Oh my gosh, Christian. I legitimately did not know they still release 3D movies.
1: <laughs> we have not had that many this year. I'm going to be honest. We had wonder woman. We had a, and the rest have been like a couple kids movies here and there. I think, uh, Tom and Jerry might've had a 3D release.
0: Wow. Uh, my mind is blown. I've only seen like two or three 3D movies. And I think the last one I saw was despicable me, which is a long oh my time God. ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, This movie is interesting, too, because you said it's on, like, Disney Plus Premium, it's like a Disney Plus Premium release. Uh, Is Emily Blunt officially suing Disney now, like uh, Scarlett Johansson is over Black Widow?
1: I had heard rumors that she was going to, because Emma Stone, I think, joined Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit over Cruella
0: boy disney has released a lot of movies in the past couple months Cruella, black widow this I, i did not realize they were they're releasing them at a pace i i'm really curious to see what those uh what those lawsuits do to disney plus premium for the short term because i imagine one whenever there's a ruling or settlement disney will just change their contracts that allow them to do this but for all like the interim movies i'm really curious what happens
1: yeah so am i i mean i think they're they're putting movies out at a kind of blistering pace to try and get caught up to their old release schedule after having been like screwed for a year because there's still i don't know if you realize this
0: there are three more mcu movies coming out in 2021 are i knew the big one they've been pushing is shang chi i didn't know there are two other ones coming out
1: shang chi is september eternals is november and spider-man three is december
0: that's too, that's too, many. I often yeah, think like, Marvel, like, yeah, Marvel movies were Teflon prior to 2019, but that was everything building up the end game. You're starting like the new, I know you No, this is like starting the new, uh, I guess phase or whatever. Yeah.
1: This is phase four
0: on top of like having like having a good endpoint and then having to watch like the television series and stuff i am really curious if marvel is going to have the same stranglehold on the box office as they did in the 2010s yeah
1: i'm not sure like i people are tuning in like crazy to these tv shows though so you never know
0: yeah but that's true and i guess even i'm watching him but i feel like i am one of their target audiences like <laughs> i love comic books i saw all of the movies and theaters and stuff but even i got superhero fatigue from marvel and i'm yes. just kind of not excited to watch i haven't even seen black widow yet but you know to try and watch four of their movies in the next couple months you know
1: yeah that's gonna be tough like i i was superheroed out i think the year off may have actually been ended up working out for them because people may have gotten some time to like reboot because i i went and watched black widow and i was back in like i'm excited for these movies but man four in like six or seven months is
0: that's that's a lot and not only is it four two of them are from unknown quantities like shang chi like i've read a fair number of comics for marvel comics i've never read anything about shang chi or i've never read anything with shang chi in it And I've never read anything with the Eternals in it, uh, unless they're, you know, some side character in a large crossover event or something. Mm -hmm. So even that is just kind of like, oh, my God, the only one I actually care about seeing is Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, Shang-Chi, I think, is maybe they're pushing it super hard because it's the next one. Maybe it's like there's really kind of no one in it. Michelle Yeoh is in it and Aquafina, but Eternals at least can fall back on the fact that it's got a lot of big names in it. It's got Angelina Jolie. It's got Selma Hayek, Richard Madden, Kid Harrington, uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Like, it's it's got a big cast that can carry it. But Shang-Chi is kind of off on its own. Like, it's out on a limb.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things, too, where, like, I guess you could say the same thing about the phase one of the movies where it was Captain America, Thor, Iron Man. But, like, Chris Evans was a somewhat known quantity. He was in a fair number. And Robert Downey Jr. was a tarnished but still relatively large <laughs> name but those were also known characters like people knew who iron man was people knew who captain america was i can't tell you anything about shang chi other than he does martial arts and then how many people just confuse him with uh danny rand the iron oh, Fist? Yeah. <laughs> you know like another
1: tainted name
0: right so it's just one of those things where i'm really curious to see on top of it being a pandemic like what do these box office numbers look like for them it will be interesting. I'm sorry, I took us off on a tangent. Is there anything else you <laughs> wanted to t- wanted to talk about about this movie?
1: Uh not really. I I looked up The Rotten Tomatoes. It got a ninety-two percent from the audience and a sixty-three percent from critics. It's not super surprising to me. This movie doesn't like it doesn't break any fresh ground. It's it it does pretty much exactly what you expect it to do, but it's still very, very fun. So I'm I'm not surprised that the audience ranked it so much higher.
0: Yeah. Uh, would you recommend this one?
1: Oh, for sure. And then, with no caveats, really. I think everybody would enjoy this.
0: All right, guys. And now it's time for the Amazon review game. Just a quick recap. I have three one-star reviews from Amazon. I'm going to read Christian one of them. He will get two yes or no questions to help narrow down what the movie is. He can then either guess or ask for a second review. He will then get two more yes or no questions. He can guess or ask for a third review. He will get two yes or no questions, and then he will have to guess what the movie is. Christian, are you ready? I am ready. This might be the worst movie I have ever seen. Halfway through this unbearable pile of misery, I decided decided to take a break. When I pressed pause, I saw there was still another hour to go. I felt like I had already been watching for three hours. The amount of yelling and swearing is off the charts. Good luck with any actual dialogue. The entire movie is a stress-induced nightmare. It is a train wreck in (laughs) slow motion. Jump off the train as soon as humanly possible.
1: Oh, my God. Oof. That's an amazing review. Uh, Is this a Quentin Tarantino movie?
0: Let me look at the director. Uh, I don't believe it is, but let me verify. No, this is not.
1: Did this movie come out in the last 10 years? Yes. Okay. I'm going to need another review.
0: Okay. This is a horrible movie. I have seen every movie Adam Sandler has ever made, and he is deranged. Sorry. And he is both funny and talented. So this is no testament to his acting whatsoever. But this is such a deranged, stressful movie with a stupid ending that doesn't even make a lick of sense. The constant screaming, the just why, it made me feel physically ill to watch. I'm not,
1: I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk it all. I'm not even going to ask another question. Is
0: <laughs> it Uncut Gems? It is Uncut Gems. Yes. Uh, let me read this honorable mention I found. I just thought it was funny because I just go off on a tangent about like loving Kevin Garnett. <laughs> uh, honorable mention. If it were possible to file a lawsuit to not only get reimbursed but also reward you for pain and suffering, I would sue the <laughs> makers of this movie. It was incredibly stressful to watch but also was a horrible story with the horrible characters except Kevin Garnett. Gotta love the big man. Go Celtics. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm not Jewish, but if I were, I would be incredibly insulted by all the negative stereotypes shown about Jewish people in this movie. Sucked, sucked, sucked. The sound effects were awful. I don't understand why bringing back irritating synthesizer sounds from the 70s has become the thing to do in movies and TV shows. Just terrible. That's outstanding all right guys and before we head out christian what are you going to be checking out this next week
1: uh so i should be finally wrapping up my rewatch of leverage this week i think it's been a fun ride and i I, i've been enjoying revisiting that you Uh, wait,
0: wait you've watched all the seasons of it
1: just about. I'm I'm wow. entering season five now, and I should yeah I I, I should have it wrapped up pretty quickly. Okay. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I think I'm going to watch the GI Joe Snake Eyes movie just just to see. <laughs> I uh, I like the guy who's in it, so we'll see. There's a Hugh Jackman movie coming out called Reminiscence that looks really kind of bizarre. Uh, uh, so yeah, we'll see if I have time to get to that, but otherwise, yeah, I'm just going to be probably rewatching Outer Banks season two again.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm in a bit of a wall right now. I actually just platinumed need for speed from tw- the 2015 game. Uh, it was aggravating to finish up, but I did. So I'm excited. I did that and I've been putting a lot of focus onto overwatch. I need to figure out what my next like. Uh, game to focus on is I haven't decided yet. Uh, like TV movie wise, we want to go try and see Suicide Squad Thursday, which I'm very excited about. I am currently watching Young Justice season three, which is really good. And uh, I what I really want to start and I've just been dragging my feet on is the second season of Dave on FX is <laughs> almost completely out, um, so I I need to catch up on that and then also on. Ted Lasso, which is three or four episodes into its season as well. I I need to catch up on that. Those are my two goals for the next week. Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to contact us, we are at Gambots Network on Twitter, or you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com. Also, we have a website now if you want to check that out. That's gambotsnetwork.com. And finally, if you're listening to somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, we'd appreciate it as that does help with marketing. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.